episode of the Data Protection and Privacy Podcast is brought to you by The Trust Bridge, www.thetrustbridge.co.uk. Today's offer, try one of our accredited courses for £1. Go to www.thetrustbridge.co.uk forward slash 2020 training. This episode of the Data Privacy Protection Podcast is brought to you by ADPP, the Arena for Data Protection Professionals. Visit www.digitalarena.co and join us to get access to member benefits and entry to our networking events. Today's offer, save 25% on annual membership using the code LIA25. The price will be £112.50 instead of £150 for annual membership. www.digitalarena.co Hi, this is David Clark, and today I'm talking to Martin Jackson, uh, a data protection and privacy specialist um, who focuses a lot on GRC. Um, Martin, would you like Hi, to yeah. kind of discuss um, GRC? I think that's a kind of interesting question. Okay. So uh, some people will think, why, why uh, are we talking about GRC when we're talking about data protection? Well, one yeah. of the main reasons for that and the reasons why I focus very much on GRC is that uh, if you look historically at organizations, the way that they were handling different aspects of their business, such as um, data governance, uh, risk management, uh, compliance requirements within their businesses, was very siloed. So you wouldn't have the infosec team, for instance, talking to the data management team or the data privacy team. The risk team were a separate entity within that um, organization, which would then um, be their primarily to ensure that people were doing things uh, correctly and stopping them from not doing it, (laughs) doing badly, uh, rather than actually playing an integral part within the business. Now, that's very much changing. And the reason for that is things like GRC. So that is looking at um, how can an organization achieve its objectives? What does it need to do? How can it address uncertainty, which is basically risk, and Mm -hmm. make sure that that uncertainty is positive for the organization and therefore maximizing return um, rather than actually negative? So how can they govern it? How can they actually manage the risk? And how can they ensure that they are doing all the necessary levels of compliance they do? So what I've done, sorry, I was going to say, but what I've done is I've taken GRC. I use that as an overlaying corporate level to allow organizations to put that kind of methodology in place and then drilling it down into the various different aspects and verticals as needed around data protection and privacy, information security as a whole, uh, and also things like risk management. Yeah, that's really interesting because I, I know when we were talking before, you you were saying that often entities that you've worked with are, are very siloed, and um, the GRC here, it, this is this is a way, isn't it, of pulling all this together. Uh, so you, yeah. you don't have these silos, or, or the silos are coordinated to deliver maximum benefit. Yes, and uh, everything in an organisation needs to be designed driven, managed, supported to achieve the objectives of that organization. However, I work with so many businesses these days that still have 
um, a lack of communication from the top, a lack of uh, ability to understand what uh, the objectives and the uh, goals of the business are, and also the ability for them to then uh, from drill down, down all the way down to an individual level um, on exactly what uh, is needed by individuals to actually achieve and contribute to those objectives. Yeah, no, I think I think that's that's very interesting. Um, I, and I think one of the things you know we we were, we were sort of chatting about before is you know the accountability principle. Um, I know we were talking about GDPR, but I think mm-hmm. one of the points you brought up is actually this is going to affect everybody. Yeah, and there's no way to hide. And it's it, you know it's it's just getting more and more complex down the supply chain, especially. So if we look at it from a uh, data protection perspective uh, solely on this aspect, yeah, Yeah. Um, within the GDPR regulation itself, there are what is termed as principles. Now, Mm. there are six of those. Uh, We also have what we term as an unofficial seventh, uh, which is the accountability principle. And that squarely is making organization accountable for not only putting the right structure in place but making sure that that structure is working in practice and being able to demonstrate that with live data so this now means that organizations can't run away they have to ensure that they are putting the right organizational and technology controls in place to safeguard the data that they have so so what would you expect if if i if i'm an organization and you you wanted to see me demonstrate accountability, what actually would you be looking for in terms of, I guess, evidence? Okay. Policy document or, or more than that? So, so obviously you have to get the right structure in place. So there would be a series of uh, policies, um, procedures, other guides that you need. But also you need to make sure that you're doing the things to ensure that those are working in practice. So, for instance, making your people aware of what um, is happening Uh, with regards to data protection, but also what their obligations are and what you expect of them. So you will need to do a training program within the organization to actually allow them to understand GDPR, what policies and procedures you have put in place or changed, uh, what that means and how they instigate that on a day-to-day business within their particular role. You then need to have a register against that to show that everyone has gone through that training from the very top to the very bottom. And you also then need to show that they have understood it. So I would always recommend that you have some kind of mini exam at the end um, to actually show that people have taken on board what it is. You keep that register. You then also then need to do training on a on a, a regular basis and updates to make sure that they're aware of any other train uh, changes. And you need to put in place um, a facility that where somebody has failed for whatever reason that they are able to be re-educated and they can understand where they have gone wrong. And you are also communicating that back into the organization so that those lessons are learned and those mistakes are um, stopped from happening in the future. That's just one example. No, I mean, that's, that's a great example. And, and, and often I, I suppose the, the one of the questions you must get asked a lot, how much overhead is this on the company, do you think? Uh, do, do they need extra staff to manage this accountability or can this be built into their existing roles? What, what would you kind of recommend uh, for mm-hmm. a company to be doing? Okay, so I won't lie to you, there is going to be a cost for G, um, GDPR. Um, if you look at uh, very large organisations, they are quoting uh, quite 
uh, extraordinarily large business um, costs for that, you know, in the millions. Mm-hmm. The reason being is that they have very complex environments. They probably deal with a lot of personal data and uh, they probably deal with finance um, aspects as well. So there are other regulations on the back of um, GDPR that they have to deal with. Yeah. So that is quite expensive. Average organization, uh, they will need to do an assessment of their company Mm -hmm. to understand where they are today and what they need to be for GDPR. And as part of that, they will also look at what kind of resources they need in there. There may be a requirement, for instance, for what we term as a data protection officer. Uh, If they they comply to certain uh, parameters, then they will have to have that. Uh, However, if they don't have a data protection officer, they will need to have somebody else within the organization responsible for for the implement yeah. yeah for the implementation of gdpr and that uh, individual will then need to report into senior management within the company because ultimately it is the board of directors that is responsible for the implementation of gdpr because like any other law they are responsible for making sure that they manage all laws all requirements effectively as part of their director role it's, it's kind of business as usual, isn't it? This, this, or it should be this, this type of uh, process. And uh, I think, yeah. I think one of the, the sort of things is, um, um, and we we briefly sort of touched on this before. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, GDPR means delivering the rights, managing data breach. But one of the areas that I think is is much more complex than it sounds is how you manage that supply chain. Um, yes. You know, many companies think, you know, we've only got about five suppliers and. When, when yeah. you talk to them, it, it ends up being hundreds, if not thousands. Yes. So when I go into organizations and talk to them um, with regards to the accountability side of things, um, the first thing I will do is, uh, one of the things is actually ask them, okay, who are your suppliers and what role do they play and what role yeah. do you play? There are various different roles that are recognized um, under the world of GDPR. So you have controllers, joint controllers, processors, subprocessors. Depending on what your relationship is with the third parties that you're dealing with, uh, depends on what requirements are on you as um, GDPR. So give you an example. Um, if you're a controller and you have a processor, um, yeah, then yeah. you must have a contract. It must have a contract, a written contract in, uh, between you and that organization. And that contract has to have its uh, relevant GDPR clauses in it, or as we term as uh, yeah. standard uh, contract clauses. Um, and in addition, um, you need to make sure that uh, what you are asking them to do, that they are actually doing it in practice. So you have to carry out due diligence on that supplier. If you so, do so that... You, yeah, sorry, due diligence, sorry. I, th- I think that's an, another area. Kind of, yes. what, what, what do we mean by due diligence, yeah? And what would you expect to see, you know, if you okay. were running the GRC in a company? Okay, so ultimately, from a um, GDPR perspective, if um, you are dealing with a third party, then that third party must be GDPR compliant for the aspects of the service that they are providing to you. Uh, and if they're not, then you should not be dealing with them, ultimately. Right. That's in the... Yeah, the yeah. perfect world of GDPR. So this is quite important because the controller is responsible for all its supply lines. So if you're the ultimate controller, then you have to make sure your processes are GDPR compliant where applicable. They, in turn, 
have to make sure that any sub-processes are GDPR compliant in turn, and all the way down the supply chain. So eventually it gets down to, as I term, one man and his dog. This is why organizations can't hide from GDPR, because yeah. at some point in the future, for you to be able to do business, you yeah. will need to be GDPR compliant, and you will be able to need, you will have to be able to prove it just to get business. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, th I think I think a lot of companies are now seeing this. And um, yes. well, one of the things I know you've had a, a lot of experience of, is, is, is there any kind of benefit in using special data protection, privacy technology uh, to help companies, you know, deliver this accountability? Yeah, so um, from a, a, what we term as pets, so uh, privacy enhanced technology, this mm -hmm. is the technology you use to help support yeah. um, GDPR and other privacy um, requirements that you have within your organization. What I generally find is, is, is there's a, like a crossover between companies. Yes, you can do everything manually if you really wanted yeah. to. You could do what we term as a record of processing activity, which is like a central spreadsheet um, yeah. of information about what you as an organization are doing. So what are your purposes for processing? What yeah. role do you play within those? Are you a controller, a processor? Uh, what kind of data do you deal with, et cetera, et cetera, yeah? Yeah. You could do that easily um, on a spreadsheet. However, when you become a, a larger organization and much more complex, then it might be better yeah. to actually manage that centrally within um, some kind of automated fashion, uh, which, again, would be through technology. Again, if you're getting lots of subject access requests, um, which um, comes as uh, data subjects now have rights on your organization to have access to um, certain bits of information. So subject access requests being one of those. If you get loads of those, then it makes sense to actually record those um, centrally and be able to manage them centrally as well, uh, especially if you've got various different parts of your organization involved in that process. So Things is, like, there, is there a kind sorry. of trick? Sorry, yeah, no, no. It's, is there a kind of a trigger point where a company should start considering, um, you know, PET, privacy enhanced technology? You know, w w how do they know when that time comes for them? Because, you know, obviously everybody does things on spreadsheets and word yeah. documents. There's yeah. got to be a time when actually this become maybe too much of an overhead. How do you know when that is? Is, is there a sign? Um, you know I would say it's generally when they are struggling to cope. So if they are in a situation where, and again, I'll, go, I'll move back to the fact that um, most organizations today, or a lot of the organizations that I'm still dealing with today, are in effect really just putting in place what they believe is the absolute minimum um, that they need to comply with GDPR or in the UK, the UK Data Protection Act 2018. In reality, um, that is probably not enough. So. What they then need to ask themselves is, right, okay, how many subject access requests are? How many incidents am I dealing with? How many records um, do I have to manage? Um, how am I educating my people? What, how am I governing that centrally? Is that something that I can deal with, uh, with the resources that I have in place at the moment? Or is there something else that I need to put in place to help yeah. manage that? Because I don't want to put more people into it. You don't yeah, want to put more people in, then you start using the technology. You've got to start using tech. And I think you brought up another interesting point there. I mean, I think every company wants to do the minimum they need to get by. But yep. is that even the wrong concept? I mean, you wouldn't see that in the food safety. You wouldn't see it in airplane. 
He wouldn't say no. car design or building design. He wouldn't say, you know, what is the minimum we can get away to make a safe building? Yeah. Um, so, so would you say that's probably even the wrong concept to be even thinking about the minimum? It's more, what do you need to do? I think it's a, um, a dangerous concept. Um, yes. Primarily, if I again look back at um, how GDPR has been implemented into this country before uh, May uh, 2018, yeah. we had a whole raft of organizations coming to us because of that fear concept around um, data protection and that uh, it was basically going to end business as a, as a whole if you were not compliant. And then a little bit like uh, Y2K, which again, yeah. it was um, commented as uh, on yeah. a number of occasions, which is absolutely yeah. wrong. Yeah. Uh, you got to the 25th of May and the world didn't end. So yeah. organizations suddenly <laughs> go, hmm, is this like the old ways or are they going to uh, put something more on me? So what I'll do is I'll do just what I think I have to do and then hopefully I'll stay under the radar. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. As long as nothing goes wrong, uh, to a certain extent, yeah. Um, because if you look at all the fines that are taking place uh, now, um, not only are the uh, organisations like the ICO getting a lot more proactive and finding organisations um, proactively, um, what I mean by that is when there hasn't been a breach or anything yeah, the, because the they failed or things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Even for even for things like not registering as a controller on their um, on their register, you can now oh, yes. get a five thousand pound fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but when you actually see the fines that are taking place, so where an organisation has, for instance, had a breach, um, which is now mandatory for them to actually declare, um, or they get an even bigger fine. Um, that that in a certain sense, the breach is actually just opening the door. What the ICL will now do is going in and they will look for your accountability. They will look at your the structures that you have in the place, but also yeah. your ability to make sure that that structure is then working effectively in practice. And it, all the organizations that are being fined at the moment is generally because, though they have the structure, even may have the team, when yeah. it comes down to day-to-day -day activities, something has gone wrong. And so, for instance, yeah. So, for instance, British Airways, uh, Marriott Hotels, yeah. all the other organizations have got such huge fines because their security wasn't adequate. They did yeah. not put in uh, proper practices in place that ensured the security of the data in practice. Um, you know, so it's not the breach itself. It's all the other things that are in there and your ability to be able to govern data protection effectively, govern risk effectively govern the security of that data effectively on a day-to-day -day basis and be able to prove it and demonstrate it to the ICO that is going to reduce any impact on your organization, yeah. or if you Absolutely. can't, greatly increase it. And I think that brings up uh, another point, and uh, you and I have spoken about this, is how do you kind of link data, data protection to cybersecurity, and how do you make sure that they work together to get the, the best effect? Okay. So again, um, you know, organizations that I dealt with, even though data protection and cybersecurity both come under information security as a whole, a lot of the times in those organizations, they are seen as separate things. So one of the biggest challenges uh, we have um, when we're dealing with organizations is bringing those teams together and being able to integrate the approach. So for instance, uh, all the policies and procedures that you have in place, 
from yeah. an information security or cyber security perspective will have to have a data protection element within them. So it's going through those and making sure that they um, understand what that is and then educating out into their um, employee base um, of what those particular requirements are going forward. It is important to understand that, uh, again, from the accountability side of things, organizations, as I said before, are responsible for safeguarding the data that they um, process, the personal data that they're processing, by putting in place the correct organizational and technology um, po uh, processes and controls to actually ensure that. So this is where, this is, and the only way you can do that is by colliding information security together with data protection and also um, cyber security and also risk management. Because yes. if you look at um, GDPR, I always say it is like one big risk assessment. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good description. Um, one of the other things, I know you've had huge experience, not just in the UK, but outside the UK. And mm. uh, we were talking earlier about um, DSM. I just wondered if you wanted to uh, describe what, what the future could look like and what DSM yeah. stands for. Okay. So um, there's two aspects there. So digital single market. Um, another reason why GDPR is not going to go away and why organizations are going to have to adhere to it and uh, the governance that they're going to put in place to manage that is going to get greater and greater is because there's a thing called the digital single market. This is a program within Europe to enhance the capabilities um, of, uh, of its digital capabilities to increase the amount of business generated from that fashion within the EU. And I think they're aiming to generate, I think it's something in the region of an extra 300 um, billion, uh, sorry, yeah, 300 billion euros uh, by, uh, by 2020, I think it was, or something. But that's a huge amount. Yeah. So... The only way they're going to actually achieve that is by putting in place a solid foundation. So yes. all the organizations that are doing all this digital um, infrastructure that are then enhancing the capabilities of Europe and mm -hmm. attracting more business into Europe, et cetera, have to have in place the foundations to support that. One of those is going to be data protection and privacy. So GDPR is part of this overall program. So, A, it's not going away, and no. um, really, we need to be prepared for that. Um, we're we're yeah. kind of coming near to the end now. So, uh, Martin, I just wondered if, if companies listening to this, you know, feel they need to do uh, a little bit more on their data protection, GDPR, cyber, um, have you got any kind of recommendations, you know, where they should be thinking, where they should focus? Yeah, okay. So, my key in any... Uh, implementation I do is don't think of GDPR as a one-off um, aspect within your business. Um, you no longer have the ability just to put a structure in place and then hope that that structure will um, be sufficient. With the accountability aspects of um, GDPR, uh, you now need to make sure that you are uh, that that structure you are able to demonstrate its effectiveness in practice. So the only way you're going to be able to do that is by making sure that you um, are taking those policies and procedures, you're educating your 
um, people within your organization. You are then monitoring and reviewing that and that you have the correct assurance practices in place to actually ensure um, compliance into the future. So things like internal auditing, as an example, you need to incorporate GDPR into your internal auditing capabilities. Yeah, that, make, that makes a lot of sense. Um, if anyone listening here needs to get in touch with you, uh, Martin, yeah, what's the best way yep. for them to do? How, how would you suggest? They okay. Get in touch? Um, so they can use my email address, which is uh, martinj at gdprinpractice.com. Oh, great website. And uh, obviously they can track you down on LinkedIn, I think, as well. I am um, on LinkedIn as well. Yes, absolutely. It's kind of how we met. Well, that yes. was absolutely amazing, Martin. You know, um, you know your insights and kind of guidance and is you know can see you've had a huge wealth of experience um so yeah it's a real pleasure talking to you and and hopefully we'll chat again soon yeah my pleasure thank you very much for the time thanks martin and uh, anyone listening what's the best way for them to contact you Okay, um, so they could uh, utilize my email address, which is martinj at gdprinpractice.co.uk. I'm also on LinkedIn as well. Uh, feel free to contact me with any uh, general questions or if there's anything I can help people with. Great, thanks very much. My pleasure. This episode of the Data Protection and Privacy Podcast is brought to you by The Trust Bridge, www.thetrustbridge.co.uk. Today's offer, try one of our accredited courses for £1. Go to www.thetrustbridge.co.uk forward slash 2020 training. This episode of the Data Privacy Protection Podcast is brought to you by ADPP, the arena for data protection professionals. Visit www.digitalarena.co and join us to get access to member benefits and entry to our networking events. Today's offer, save 25% on annual membership using the code LIA. The price will be £112.50 instead of £150 for annual membership. www.digitalarena.co